Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Generic Video Game Podcast. After a nine month vacation in Neo Geo Land, GVGP 34 is about to unfold and contain more noteworthy content than the upcoming PlayStation Classic. Molly and I are rising from our podcast graves as if we are altered beasts and are ready to tackle a series of gaming related topics, or maybe just two or three, and shoot the breeze. The past 180 days have seen millions of dollars worth of DLC release across dozens of titles. Battle Royale esque games are still the rage, and I could give a shit. Shenmue, Sega Ages, and Kenshiro have all returned. RDR2 has hit shelves and made north of $720 million in three days. And on a sad note, Prima Games Guides will be a thing of the past come 2019. We may touch a bit on each of those topics or none in this episode, but. It'll be more of a freestyle and return to the internet airwaves nonetheless. No matter what, as always, thank you for hitting that download button and taking the time to listen. How's everything been going, Molly? There really is, like, I mean, unfortunately, it did take a while for us to come back.、Um, and who knows when the next one will be? It's all my fault being put on my shoulders. But there, there's actually been, like, a lot that I've been thinking about wanting to talk about. So it's. It's going to be interesting this show to see like, what we do and don't <clears throat> touch on. Because even in your intro, like, you hit on a number of things that has, have been on my, my mind recently, gaming wise. Right. And we've kind of glazed over, and we can't get into all of this. You know, our goal before we continue is we're going to try to keep this within 45 to 60 minutes tonight. Our goal is just to get something up on the site.、Um, not just any old anything, but、um, we just want to tell everyone that we're still alive,、uh, we're still gamers. Uh, we still enjoy the hobby. We may not enjoy all of the DLC、um, and the garbage disposal aspect of the Nintendo Switch with announcements of titles every 15 minutes, it seems. But,、um, I mean, it's been so long that everything from E3, San Diego Comic Con,、um, Evo,、uh, a lot of stuff has come and gone.、Um, But, you know, not to be、um, pessimistic or negative, you know, there's been a lot, but there's also been a lot of the same old. So,、uh, with that being said, I do feel、um, this season for me has it's, it's got a lot of like、uh, kind of cherry picked titles. There's, there's a handful of stuff I'm really interested in, and then there's also an abundance of, you know,、uh, sequelitis as always. But there has been some cool stuff released as of late. But before we get into that, not to keep、uh, talking about these、uh, unfortunate situations, as I was saying earlier on our first take, as this is take two, which was、uh, my fault.、Um, our last episode, we opened up with the sad note of ECM passing away. That was back in、uh, January. But since then, I, I felt we should note, while I didn't know this person, And、uh, I don't believe I've ever interacted with this person.、Uh, you lost a co worker about six months ago, shortly after ECM. Is that correct? Yeah.、Um, so, you know, some people will know him.、Uh, it was Andrew Fitch.、Um, and he 
worked, um, I can tell you a few things. He worked, at, for example, at Konami for, for a while and worked on some of the projects they were doing there in terms of localization. Uh, he was at 1UP, and he has a very, very famous, and I want to say it's Lost Odyssey. Okay. Uh, there, There's, like, back, I think it was part of the 1UP show, which I always kind of, like, really liked the 1UP show because I thought it was an interesting <clears throat> idea of how to do kind of a gaming uh, show back at that point. It was, if, if people haven't seen it, I don't want to say it's The Office, but it's kind of like they would go back and forth between, oh, we're just sitting down playing games and talking to you while we're playing games, and these kind of like inter-office situations and, and not skits per se, but kind of like making it seem like you're seeing the goings-on in the office, you know, like cameras are there, but cameras aren't there. Again, the kind of office thing. Um but so he was with 1UP, and then um, when I joined EGM, uh, he joined EGM about the exact same time. And it's funny because I remember that my very first interaction with him, I had kind of, I kind of knew the name a little bit, but I didn't really know him, know him at that point. But um, he came on as a writer, but also as a copy editor. And I hated the way <laughs> that he copy edited the very first thing I wrote that he looked at, which I think was a Catherine preview. Wow. Um, and so we really got off on the wrong foot, and, like, I did not like him in that first kind of little bit. Because um, I'm just, I'm very, very picky about people editing my stuff. I learned that from Dave Halverson, you know. So um, it ended up that he became kind of my best friend at EGM uh, in this current era just because he was really into Japanese gaming. And so he was kind of the person that, like, he was, we kind of, like, tag team things, you know, and and um, to have two people in such a small office, because literally at one point it was, it was just a five of us and that was it. Uh, to have two people in the office who could do Japanese games were, was really nice because then he would take some stuff, I would take some stuff, and we actually got a lot of coverage for how small our team was. Um... And we went together to Japan for TGS, for wow. example. You know, and just like he, he became like my closest friend at DGM. And unfortunately, um, he had some, some health issues for, for quite a while. Hmm. Then he ended up getting cancer. And wow, terrible. Yeah, he succumbed to that, unfortunately. Terrible. And it's really, real shame, you know, because he was, he was, he was an interesting guy because he was the kind of guy that that he was very like kept to himself and it, not like he was unfriendly but he was just one of the kind of people who who was very private about his life and didn't always socialize you know right. um, and I'm kind of that way too sometimes right. so we actually got along on that so it was I wouldn't say like you know we went out and hung out when we went places and did things like that. And we talked to each other on text after work. But it's kind of one of those things where, like, I was always really glad that he was there. Right. And, you know, he was kind of one of the people at EGM that really kept me going in times when I felt like, oh, I'm getting burned out or I'm just sick of this or, you know, games suck right now or whatever it was. And, and so, you know, on a professional level and also a personal level, like, it really hit me, and it's it's a shame. And as people always say, you know, fuck cancer. So. Right? Yeah, it's terrible. Yep. 
Hmm. How, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how old was he? Uh, that is the thing is that he never told anybody his, his, his age or birthday. So hmm. I can tell you that he was in the, my age range, I think a couple of years off. Um, so probably like late thirties. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Very young. Well, it's very sad. I wanted to, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't want to harp on that, but I felt it, it was, uh, worth, definitely worth mentioning and remembering. Uh, it was very yeah. sad. So, uh. I remember seeing that pop up on EGM's feed. I saw some retweets and tweets from you during that time frame. And uh, yeah. 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 And, and you know, I, mean, I can always dig it back up too. Is like, if you're curious at all about his stuff, um, if you knew Andrew or didn't, you know, um, we went and because we had moved websites and so some of our old stuff was kind of like hard to find. But mm. I had linked to a page and I can find it again of, of all his stuff if you want to read like his reviews or interviews or things like that awesome um, will yeah. you put that uh, will, will you do your best to get that up on your uh twitter feed it was that so link? i can just okay. i can find it and see right. um i'll, I'll during, during the show i'll find it and tell you how to find it okay. from my twitter so awesome but uh yeah beyond that uh, i don't want to hog up the uh audio spotlight here what um well let's start with this because we love talking about print we're, we we still have a thing for that because we're uh ancient but uh very sad to hear real fresh news in the last couple of days prima games prima guides who by the way on a side note a few years ago scooped up brady guides so brady games yeah. so as of early 2019 prima will be no more and they've been around since 1990 so nearly three decades another uh, I would say large aspect of gaming, uh, another era, uh, will be coming to a close. And it's interesting, too, because I actually learned this um, on Facebook because I'm friends with David Hodgson, who was Chief Hamilton back in the Game Fan days. Mm. Uh, and he'd been working for them for a long, long time now. Um, and yeah, like it's just the unfortunate thing is print is really hard in 2018 uh, a lot of things are really hard because of the internet you know for good and bad right and you know i mean it, it sucks but if you do think about it like when's the last time you bought a physical strategy guide you know you know i'm the wrong person to ask while i think the thing with me is this i still buy guides you know I've definitely bought one within the last six months to a year. Let's start with that. Oh, but, really? huh? Yeah. Really? If, yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. In comparison to what I was buying, the quantities in the 90s through early 2000s, I mean, it's a fraction of, it's an absolute fraction of what I uh, had purchased, you know. Um, and I know this is much, I'd have to look at my shelf. I've got two of them by me. You know, one of the last... Oh, you know what? The last one I bought was probably Zelda Breath of the Wild, which puts us at uh, about 18 months ago. And I may have gotten wow. one more recently. But, you know, definitely that's modern. You know, Breath of the Wild, I did the hardcover, which they actually did a re-release, a reissue of with the added content, which I did not get that one, which has Princess Zelda on the cover. Uh, aside from that, though... Um, you know, I, God, I can't believe it's like, ten, I don't even know why I was going to bring this up. You know, one of the most beautiful guides I have, and I, I cannot believe I'm going to say it's almost a decade old now, 
is the future publishing uh, book they did for Bayonetta out of the UK. Yeah. That was unbelievable. Yeah. But but yeah, to answer your question, I would still I still pick that stuff up when I can if there's something good. But yeah, you know, it's it's just um, I just hate saying that that's another that's another thing that's uh, going away. Now, you know, to be clear, that doesn't mean all strategy guides in existence are going away. I'm sure there will be some niche, you know, uh, guides coming out here and there from other select companies. But it's just, you know, it's just it's you know how it is when you go to GameStop or if there's EB Games still in existence in your area or your town. You remember there used to be racks and racks of stuff up front. Yeah. It was the add on item for all of the big titles. Now, admittedly, there were certain guides, uh, and I don't know if it was Prima, you know, the one that's always good to make fun of is, you know, a guide for House of the Dead 2. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, stuff like that aside as a cash grab, you know, it came in great handy, you know, uh, great help for, you know, the JRPGs of the 90s and early 2000s and all your major AAA titles and... um, I mean, the the problem is, and, you know, I've, I've... When I say I've done strategy guides, I haven't written and created one completely on my own, but I have worked on strategy guides, I've done FAQs, and I've also done back in a this weird project of like doing um, video strategy guides. So I've got some experience with that, and it it's just you don't necessarily appreciate how much effort has to go into that. Right. You know, especially if... Um, the parent company doesn't give you a lot of details. Like I know when we did our persona strategy guide, they basically handed us the Japanese persona strategy guide as like a a, a point of reference. And that helps in a lot of things of like, Oh, okay. How many character, I mean, how many hit points does this one enemy have? You know, but if you think about that, like if you think about you're starting from scratch, just think about an RPG and like trying to figure out, how many hit points every single enemy in that game has? I've like, always, I've always you know. wondered how that's done. Yeah, it's. I mean, back in the day, it would be you would if if a game you know gave you like the little detail of like how many hit hit like damage points you did. Right. You would fight the same enemy over and over again and kind of figure out from there like how much damage they take. God. You know, I mean, so there's just so much work that goes into them, and. The problem now is, if you think about it, like, I bet you a lot of people, and I did this too, I am completely to blame, don't even go to GameFAQs anymore. What do we do if we have a problem? We go to YouTube and type Dark Souls 3, mm. you know, uh, uh, Dance Through the Burial Valley, and then look on, you know, that video of somebody playing that boss and see how did they beat them, what are there any secrets to doing it, and things like that. So right. I think a lot of the, even the FAQ stuff is just go watch a video of somebody doing it and see and figure out from there, you know, what you need. Like FAQs are in a weird position at this point because I don't know how many people are making that deep of dive into certain games. You know, I mean, there's still things like I think about like Dark Souls, for example, there's all the like weapon upgrading where you kind of need an FAQ for that. But I think in most games anymore, watching somebody playing it and see what they do could just be enough that, for what you need. 
Yeah, is it would it be fair to say that it's more surface level type, like enough to get yeah. from point A to point B, but we're not getting an LT into all the minutia and all the you know dissecting everything. Yeah, and you know I, I think so. That's what I think is like multiple is like if I think about the games I've played recently, you know, and where I got stuck on things, it was always like one or two little things, you know. Like I, I think about um, Persona Three and Persona Four mm-hmm. because I actually. Atlas gave me the double jump books for yes, those. Yes, yes. And those were really, really helpful because of all the things like demon fusion and social links and, you know, which choice gets you points and which choice doesn't get you points, all that kind of stuff. But I think a majority of games don't have that in them. And so it can still make sense for... RPGs, for example, but like you were saying, House of Dead 2, like that <laughs> doesn't make sense, right? Right. right. But there was a, a, yeah. a time in a culture where we had where that could maybe sell just because people wanted that kind of extra experience. But our extra experience now is Reddit, YouTube, Twitch, message forums, DeviantArt, image boards, 4chan, whatever it is. You know, there's so much. If you want to experience more of that game, you don't need a book to do that. There's so much out there now. But, you know, I would say that I think if there is a place for strategy guides to exist, I would almost say I think they the best shot would be to kind of merge them with art books. And That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Have it not be a strategy guide. Like, the way I'm thinking about it is I... I this is self-promotion here. I wrote a Fantasy Star 4 strategy guide back in the day. Um, and I did so in a way that it wasn't just about strategy, but it was also like, hey, here's this character, here's the history behind them, or hey, here's this location, here's details. Like, I was trying to make this guide that would really dig into the game and tell you more than just, like, hit points and, and armor and, and weapon damage and things like that. And so I think that there could be a place for something... That is, here's strategy, but also here's art and concept art and an interview with the team and these kind of other things that really makes it be a book that you would want to keep even after you've beaten it and don't need that strategy anymore. Right. But that also then complicates things even more because it takes even more resources, even more money, even more manpower to make it. So It's funny you say that on a random note. I live not far from a Kinokunya's in town, which obviously on the West Coast it's rare. Kinokunya's is, is an actual Japanese bookstore. Yeah. And uh, I saw the near Automata quote strategy guide, and it kind of, from what I could tell, reminded me a lot of what you just described. I felt like there was a lot of art in there in conjunction with um, gaming tips, and I believe there was also an interview in that book as well. I was actually very tempted to buy it just to add it to my collection, but I didn't do it. Yeah, I didn't think I think it's kind of the Japanese way of doing things is even back in the day, like if you looked at a lot of their strategy guides, like a lot of them went kind of deeper mm-hmm. into the game, and mm-hmm. I think that's, if there's a place that strategy guides can still exist and be sold, you have to do that. Right. Or... Or you do something where, you know, a a store like Target says, we're going to have a team that makes strategy guides you get for free if you pre-order games, you know, like. 
Do you think this potentially, not that we need this, by the way, but do you think this opens up any sort of weird new crowdfunding avenue online for select titles where if they get X amount of funding, a guide will be done by either former strategy guide professionals or fans and then go from I there? Think, I think the problem, and this is kind of what we what we ran into when, so a long time ago before I was actually doing writing professionally for video games, um, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show or not before, but I got connected with somebody who was making video guides. And the idea was almost kind of like what I just said, but it, the idea would be that you went to Blockbuster, you rented a game, and there would be a videotape you would get with the game that was basically a video strategy guide. Okay, right. Um, and so what that meant was I, I played, and my, my two games were Pocky and Rocky and Cybernator, both on Super Nintendo. And um, played through the game and recorded every second of my playing when looking for secrets and tips on bosses and things like that. Um, but I think what the person who was trying to do this realized very quickly was, let's say you have 10 people each make one of those guides, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now you've covered 10 games, but how many games are out there? You know, how many games uh, are there to make strategy guides for? And, if you don't have one for every game, then you can't do something like that, right? Like you can't it's it's weird to go into a blockbuster and have like five of the fifty games they're renting have strategy guides and the rest don't. Um so like if you're talking about what you're talking about in the like Kickstarter, mm-hmm. I think the problem is if you're not gonna do it for a lot of things, then it quickly breaks down into well, I want you to do it for X game, but you're doing it for Y game, so I'm taking my Kickstarter money back, hmm. you know? Or hmm. I'm not going to kickstart you at all. Like, it has to be a game, like uh, like a near Automata, I think you could do it with, you know, Final Fantasy 15 maybe. There's certain games where I think you could make something like that if you're making it more than just a strategy guide, but if you're saying we're going to make strategy guides, like, every game that you pick to make a guide for is only going to have X percent of the market that's going to appeal to, you know, because even if you make a strategy guide about a game I care about and like, that doesn't mean I'm going to buy it. So I think it's just, it's just such a hard market that it's, cause it's something that you have to put a lot of work into, you know, and then you have to charge enough to make it worth it. But that extra cost if you're talking like $10, $15, $20, like that scares off a lot of people who don't really, really love that game or need that guide. Right. I don't know. I, I think it's hard. Like I think, I think I don't know there's a good way to do it anymore, especially in an era where we do have one person can just sit down and play the game on their own and record it while they're doing so and have that be competition for you, hmm. you know? Like that's that's really tough. Well, it's it's interesting to kind of maybe segue off of this a bit, but it's such an interesting time in gaming because while this isn't all print related, you know, we're going through a time where so much is going digital and, you know, many aspects of print are drying up. Yet simultaneously there's a there's a large portion of the audience which are you can make the argument trying to relive their childhood or nostalgia and you have this divide of classic 
um, replicas or, you know, uh, Raspberry Pi, in, you know, infused retro consoles coming out, um, you know, uh, whereas, you know, you've still got the future of gaming, PC gaming and tech changing and evolving and 4K and VR. But then at the same time, you know, the NES Classic and SNES Classic combined have sold like, I don't know what the number was, like 15 million or whatever in the last couple years and now you've got the playstation classic coming out so how about that how about that launch list oh yeah i I was hoping you're going to bring it up and actually one of the things i meant to do actually you might be able to buy me some time because there's a number i want to read to you um give me a list of games that were announced is that what you wanted (laughs) no uh sure i guess i guess we'd be doing our quote job if we did that but uh, i wanted to make a point in terms of well, so while, while Andy's looking at that, so, um, and this was kind of a ridiculous situation, a lot of people felt that way, was I've that- I've got the number so, now, but keep talking, keep talking. Okay, yeah, Sony announced the first five titles for the PlayStation Classic, mm-hmm. which were Final Fantasy VII, Jumping Flash, Ridge Racer Type Four, Tekken Three, and Wild Arms. Um, and then for a long, long time, they said nothing, you know, and it just- it just seemed like, what were they waiting for? You know, like, wh- why was it a big secret? Especially when you look, look at this list. It's like, were they waiting because they wanted to get as many pre-orders as possible mm-hmm. before people saw the list? Or, you know, what was the situation? Because, like, I haven't seen anybody else do this at this point. You know, unless it's like, if it is like a Kickstarter where they're trying to still figure out rights and right. issues and everything, that's one thing. But, so, the rest of the list for the PlayStation Classic... Um, and I, I don't know. Do we want to say? I mean, do we want to real quick give like a okay? Up or so down l- on, so on let's say that yeah. So before you, you get into the twenty official titles coming to the PlayStation Classic, which will be ninety nine ninety nine, and I believe it's on December third. Third. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Keep this number in mind. We're gonna go over twenty. There's twenty uh-huh. titles gonna be packed in to this classic console, and I want everybody to know that before I, we get into this, I want everybody to know that I feel like PlayStation, the original, was one of the greatest consoles ever. In my mind, it was almost like the second coming of the NES. I mean, you had the NES in the 80s, which literally saved the gaming industry, and I felt like the PlayStation in the 90s was essentially, it was that magic of NES again. So I want to make very clear before some of the things I'm about to say soon that I the PlayStation original is one of the greatest consoles ever made. And I want you to keep this number in mind. 7,918. <laughs> 7918. 7918. What does that represent? Rounding that up almost 8,000. Out of 8,000 titles... That exists for the original for the original PlayStation, and I'll even go as far as to the as this. Um, without doing any official research, let's take out sports titles. Let's take out licensed games. Let's take out games that may have issues due to copyright or expired licenses for music. Um, let's take that eight thousand. Let's cut it in half. Let's say four thousand. Out of 4,000 titles to choose from, the following of which Molly is going to read are the 20 that (laughs) Sony is showcasing for one of the greatest gaming consoles of all time in the history of games. 
and, and and since you mentioned it, I just want to I just want people to understand like how crazy that eight thousand around eight thousand number is. Is that the NES in North America had six hundred and seventy nine games on a system that we feel like had just infinite games on it. There were only 679. And, and to be fair, on a side note, this number I'm, I'm including, this is global, worldwide, including uh, some multiple releases. But yeah, you get the point. Yeah, so globally, right. yeah, 8,000 titles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't even say the first one with the straight face. Uh, Battle Arena Toshinden. I'm going to go against the grain for that because of, okay, hasn't aged well. Um, but I will be honest, for that point in time, for that glimpse in time in 1995, I will tell you, I I will say it's deserving to be on there due to, I'm going to get, don't worry, I'm not going to be that nice much longer. I'm giving that one a pass. I, I look, I owned Battle Arena Toshinden because on launch day, there were two games worth buying. Mm-hmm. There was Toshinden and mm-hmm. Ridge Racer. Mm-hmm. Those were the two games worth buying. So <clears> that's why I owned it. But past getting the system at launch, there is no reason to ever play that game again. I know why I got it. Not to bring this up again. Do you want to know why I got it? Because I couldn't believe... Um, and I was happy when I got it, by the way. The preview or slash review in Game Fan was just like I don't even have it in front of me, but all I I still remember to this day, and I didn't know what I didn't know what it what I was reading at the time, but it sounded badass, and I needed it. It was like three hundred thousand garage shaded polygons with you know uh, shadowing and you know surpassing that of even Virtua Fighter at the time. I mean, I was shitting my pants. <laughs> I needed to get this system right now. And here's the thing. When I got the game at home, so I actually didn't get PlayStation at launch, but I got it in December for Christmas. I got five titles with it, one of them being Toshinden. Toshinden was the main title that I wanted. Look, I'm not going to lie. When I got that home, unwrapped it, and was I sat in front of the TV. I didn't want to do a goddamn thing. I didn't want to leave my room, and that's all I played. But I get where you're coming from in the whole entirety of the PlayStation's lifespan. Like when it was all said and done, does Toshinden need to? Does it deserve to make that list? I totally get it if you say no. Yeah. You know. But yeah. So Toshinden. Okay. Next up is Cool Borders Two. Ab- um, get that out. That absolutely not. I'm I'm fine with it. I don't. I'm absolutely fine. not. Yeah. Uh, Destruction Derby. I, I don't think it's a terrible game. I'm but torn. It deserve to be there. Do we put one? Okay, this is the Toshinden thing. Do we put Destruction Derby on there because it was the first one and it served its purpose in that era? Like, it was crazy for what it was doing, like in terms of the. Um, I, I don't even think the term is particle effects, but like the, you know, the basic triangles and squares busting apart, like. Or, and while I never played it, do you put, like, the better or more texture-mapped Destruction Derby 2 on there because it was superior? Or do you put the first one on there like a, you know what I mean, because that was the... Well, can I jump ahead? Let, let's look at it this way. If we're playing that game, so to speak, no pun intended, how is Wipeout not on there? Well, okay, okay. So, 
what I was going to say, and I was kind of making sure that I wasn't wrong in thinking this is a Psygnosis game. Um, yeah, so, so Destruction Derby on there over Wipeout is is ridiculous it's just and look i think and i don't know i don't have the statistic in front of me i don't believe the original wipeout used officially licensed music correct i see that's the problem is i don't remember i don't remember but, using licensed music but that's kind of the argument that's been but, made is that it's a licensing issue well because here's the problem xl we know can't get in there because of that even though whatever money it costs it should have but we know definitely or what was also known in europe is wipeout 2048 we know xl can't get on there because of that but um uh, you know, for nostalgia and what it was, I don't think the first one had. We could cheat and look on Wikipedia on being lazy. I don't think the first one did. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. To be honest, I don't remember. I mean, that's. Just, um, I mean, how is that even possible? But keep keep going. But so the argument I was going to make was like because if you think about that block of games that that came out like really early in the the mm-hmm. PlayStation's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you pick Destruction Derby, like, why would you not pick something like Warhawk instead? You know, because this era was so print magazine influenced, you know, my thing is I got Warhawk at launch and, you know, I'm so, okay, I'll just spit it out. I had Panzer Dragoon on Saturn at the time, that pa- that previous spring, and, and to this day, Panzer Dragoon is one of my favorite games. I love the, I just, I love the whole the character, the design, the music. Warhawk, the game itself, I never got to enjoy because I was so against the FM video sequences that was still <laughs> during a time frame where FMV was still, you know, not as prevalent as like maybe the Sega CD era where there was that was getting shoved down our throats. And I always remember the game fan quote, the wish was... God, this game would have been, I don't know if they said perfect, but it would have been so great if they utilized animation or the type of, like, a variation of clips from, like, what was it, the Wings of Honomies? Right. But, so that game, I actually believe, you know, maybe that game was good, even though I owned it, but I never played it much, and I know this is, my dad used to like to play video games with me, and I I know he kind of wanted that because of the whole you know, plain influence, but I just remember getting that game at home and trying it. And my personal problem was I couldn't stop thinking of Panzer Dragoon. <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I, but I get what you're the, saying because that would be there, there was a, a block classic. of games. This is yeah. the point where then the PlayStation was still in those really big, weird cases. Um, yeah. There was a block of games at a certain time, like the Western right. games. And, and I don't, I don't hate destruction derby. I just think there'd be much better choices. Uh, Final Fantasy VII. I don't think there's any argument about yeah, that. Yeah, that's a shoe in. That's that's that is one of the games that's like okay, when you're doing this, how can that not be on there? Right. Um, Grand Theft Auto is an interesting choice. Yeah. I I I don't I don't hate it, but it's also weird because like nobody really makes that that PlayStation connection until you get to Grand Theft Auto Three. Correct. Like I don't think anybody really cared about Grand Theft Auto on the on the PlayStation, you know. That, that's 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 a weird choice. Um, yes, I I don't have the stats yes, in front yes, of me, and I'm and I'm talking out my ass, so I could be wrong on this mentally. Could the argument also be made? Even okay, look, GTA is the 
that's the franchise right now, right? G- but you hit the nail on the head. GTA 3 is the one that it made everyone take notice, and the industry was changing, and people couldn't believe it. But for that era and what we're talking about, even though Grand Theft Auto is the recognized name today, could have you made the argument to put Driver on there instead? I I have seen people make that argument, and I think it's I think it's a, a good a good one to make. You know, like said, so like I think I think this is on there more because the name is sure. important now, mm-hmm. not because this game was important to the system. So right. I do think it's it's I don't hate the choice, but it's it's not a choice that I would support in terms of like getting rid of it really quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. like I mean, like I wouldn't support it staying there. I think right. I think there's much better choices that could go in there instead. Um, next up, we have Intelligent Cube, which I am 100% behind. I'll say yes, because even though I'm not a fan, it wasn't, I know that has a following. Yeah, I, I won't go there. I'll, I'll leave that I mean, alone. Because you, you need some variety um, in the games you're putting on here. And it's also a hard game to get at this point, so I, I think it's a. I already have some choice. ammunition lined up for something. Even though this other title is great, I don't want to spoil it yet. But when we get to it, I'm gonna. I'll say something. Bringing um, it back to Intelligent Cube, kind okay. of. Okay. Uh, jumping Flash. <sighs> Jesus Christ! I mean, look, I get it. It served its purpose. One of the earliest uh, fully 3D polygonal. Uh, action platformers from a first-person perspective with a robotic rabbit but you know at the same time you know this was not mario 64 and i believe this does predate it and by no means am i comparing the two please god <laughs> like you know this was also a time we need to remember going back to 94 95 you know one of the quote issues that playstation brand had was they were having a really tough time and this is very important to keep in mind capturing getting a mascot so you saw everything from polygon head to uh jumping Sophia. flash was it sophia or what's your name sophia? yeah sophia. that's correct sophia. yeah from toshinden even though yes. that was a fighting game and that had multiple cat you're exactly right yes so you know does are we are are these playstation fans as hardcore and nerdy as us and have no life that they can put themselves back into that time frame and be like, hey, Jumping Flash deserves to be on here because this was that era, the the era of figuring things out and we didn't quite have our mascot. I mean, Jesus, you'll also remember a magazine reference of where things were so bad, they're trying, you know, Game Fan is trying to get on the bandwagon to get Hermie Hopperhead over here <laughs> because they're so desperate to, to identify with a character. And, okay. In short, even though, like, look, for my personal collection, like on PS3 for digital download for six bucks, like, uh, I'll take Jumping Flash to fart around with as a piece of history, okay? But does Jumping Flash deserve to be on this one-shot deal excluding hacking and modifying? Does this deserve to be one of the 20? No. Well, okay, so it's interesting you mentioned character. Because that was that's going to lead into like my reply. To jumping flash is um, if if you need a game to really showcase the kind of quirky, silly, fun Japanese side of the PlayStation, <clears throat> where the f 
is Parappa the Rapper. Okay, I'm with. Where is Parappa? And not that we need. And I know. And I know you're not a fan of this game. And it's not like this is my favorite. Okay, can you? I might have just answered my question mentally, but how does Crash Bandicoot not make it on there? Well, I think Crash is a different argument. I think Crash is a very, very different argument. Um, because I mean that that's a more serious game, a bigger game. Uh, uh, you know, definitely, definitely talking about character though. I mean that that's connect, but. I, I think if you're looking at Jumping Flash in kind of the purpose it serves, I I think that you have to take it on a, a more like a quirky, different kind of level. And, you know, there's no Parappa, there's no Vib Ribbon, which I would have taken over Jumping Flash. Um, there's no Um Jammer Lanny, which I would absolutely taken over Jumping Flash. You know, like, I, I think... Uh, that it's, it's an interesting game, and... But, like... I, I can't use it as saying this is a game that is really instrumental to the PlayStation being what it was when you don't have Parappa. In short, uh, I actually did expect to see Parappa on there. I, I'm with you. When you think Sony and Mascot and clawing for something or identity in one of the characters that was big at the time... Um, and I felt like it was one of those things where, you know, in gaming prior to Sony, you know, the cool system, the cool factor was Sega. And PlayStation came along and there were a lot of similarities in a way, like it was, they were aiming for more of the mature audience. And Parappa was one of those, in my mind, was one of the cool characters or one of the cool, like that, that genre. And I don't know how you do this and not have Parappa on there. Yeah. I mean, that's like, and that's a glaring, glaring omission because it's, it's Sony, you know. Right, correct. Um, and, and because you mentioned it, of course, Crash and Spyro, they're both not here, which Stunning. Is, is is a big problem. Stunning. But, but to be fair, that could be because of the remakes and there's just issues with that, you know. So maybe Activision doesn't want to mm. allow those games to be on here. I don't know. Um, next up is, I think, a game that neither of us will have any arguments on, and that is Metal Gear Solid. Uh, same thing with FF7. It, uh, I don't know how you can do this without Metal Gear Solid, so that's a big thumbs up. Well, okay, okay, okay. The argument is that, um, you're making people play Metal Gear Solid without the DualShock, and that's a bad thing. Oh, I, you know what? I didn't think of that and i'm a big because metal- there, there's a, there's at least one and i don't i'm not i'm not trying not to spoil a game that's just many years old but there's at least one really cool moment in the game that will not exist because you don't so wait talk. i should know this but the psychomantis thing no i know that no 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 uh, what i'm getting at is what i'm trying to figure out is when that game came out it was I guess so. It was like September 98, Japan, October here, I believe, or late September. So DualShock was already... That was that came out with DualShock in mind, correct? So it was never really meant for D-pad, correct? I mean, it was playable, but I, yeah. I'm trying to remember because wow. like, it, it's, it's weird. Like, it's hard to remember because yeah. you have to remember that like PlayStation had that weird dual analog controller first yeah before the dual shock so that kind of screws up my brain in terms of thinking like what was when because that controller came first and then they basically remade it into the dual shock wow um 
Next up is Mr. Driller. I would say no. Oh, yeah. No. Because there's just so many. I mean, G- there's, there's so many other games that should be here instead. 79-18. Yeah. <laughs> 79-18. You came up with Mr. Driller. <laughs> and it's not a bad game. I love Mr. Driller. It doesn't belong here. Um, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey. I don't care about these games one iota, but I... I don't have a huge problem with it being here. I'm 100% with you on that statement. You, I don't have anything else to add. That's exactly how I feel. Um, next is is Raymond. Rayman. 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 Uh, uh, I know Raymond. That's why I was Oh No, that's up. fine. I, and the, pro- the, pro- the problem is, though, is what we were just talking about. It's the fact that, you like... You want to know my problem? And I'm not looking at dates, so I don't know what... Okay. Excluding the computer. Do you know what system I think of first when I hear Rayman? Um, I would, uh, Dreamcast? Jaguar. Jaguar. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I remember, because I, I, I was a Jaguar owner, uh, as sad and pathetic as that is. And, you know, Rayman was one of those games, and this is from a time, you know, look at how colorful it is, and it's got cool animation. Now, look, going back in time in a time capsule, once again, without me cheating with the internet right now, you know, one of the earliest consoles, if not earliest, that I remember, like, that I remember looking at that game the most on was on the Jaguar, which predates the PlayStation. But, and yeah, like, yeah, so I... I don't think I'm. I am a fan of Rayman, and especially with the relaunch they did a handful of years ago on PS3, which was gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. But but for this, it's no. I mean, like like we're just saying is like I mean, if you think about character platformers, mm-hmm. you think Crash, you think Spyro, you think names like that. You don't mm-hmm. think Rayman. You know, it's a great game. I, I, but even for me, like, if I think about it, I think, because wasn't it on Saturn as well? Uh, it was, was like on everything. I, I remember yeah, that Yeah, and the Saturn like version had, like, more, like, like was, was just better because it was a 2D game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, next up is Resident Evil Director's Cut. Yeah. Which, I guess, like, I guess the question is, which, which Director's Cut? Is it the one that was uncensored but actually censored, or is it? A proper. I, I think it's honestly. I and I have nothing to base this off. I think it's going to be the uncensored, the uncensored one, which is censored. I, I, you I can't, bet you. They're going to put that same. They are is. not retouching that ROM. Well, okay, the the reason I bet you you're right is because of the next game. So I I I I think Resident Evil absolutely deserves to be here. I think some people would probably argue that Resident Evil Two deserves to be here. Um. I think the first one is the better choice just because uh, it's the more iconic and the one that started the whole franchise. But I I wouldn't argue the point of getting RE2 instead. I'm going to take this a step further. With some of the choices they've made of this 20, and 20 spots is very limited after that yes. that number I love to say of 79.18. When you've got 79.18, what I'm about to say could be blasphemous. But when you look at some of the choices they made, you know what they should have just done? Hmm. Put Resident Evil 1 on there and Resident Evil 2. <laughs> because you ha- because everyone knows Resident Evil. They love it. And you have one that was the more atmospheric and tension. And you've got the one that was more like Aliens, the more action-oriented, and the sequel. And it would also lead up to the remake coming out in January. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, 
like I said, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an addition you can't argue, but it's also, you can argue the specifics about the addition. I mean, Resident Evil absolutely deserves to be here. Yes. Just a question of yes. Which one. Uh, so this next one, I love and, and, and I love the fact it's added, but it's got problems with the fact that it's being added, and that is Revelations Persona. I don't um, have a problem with that. That's very hardcore and niche, but I uh, that I don't have issue with at all. Well, the problem is, though, is that we're getting oh. the heavily okay. edited original PlayStation 1 version of the game, which mm. is a version that you have no business playing anymore. Mm. I mean, if you're going to play the English language version of the original persona you played the psp version um this is gonna be really this is gonna be a really weird thing because first of all half the game just is cut out wow you still have the character being changed to being black for the american version you still have the really really questionable atlas early atlas translation i mean it's it's I love that it's here because it's it's a it's very hard to get and it's it's a great game, but it's so rough compared to the PSP version. Let me ask you this before we spend two. Uh, then we're watching the clock here. We're going to try and wrap it up in fifteen. But let me ask you this: Well, first off, how many games you got left to, to list? Uh we've got one, two, three, like eight. Okay, so I'll try to make this quick. So real quick, putting our thinking business caps on really quick. So we can dissect this persona choice. You're the persona expert. I'm not being sarcastic. You can get into all the reasons why it's a weird choice, even though on the surface it's an awesome choice. But, you know, once you you dig further, it doesn't seem like the wisest choice. With that being said, so what's going on here in your in in the in our opinion? Is it on there because Sony's like, "Hey, this is going to be our niche this is going to be our attention getter." for the hardcore audience collectors and this is the bone we're going to throw them so uh, this i, I, I feel like, I feel like or, a bit of that or is it because what we don't know behind the scenes is this because if you look at the choices uh is this sony just going to the third parties and they have access to <laughs> like no really you got capcom you got konami you have atlas sony in-house uh and, and obviously a few other companies, but is it one of those things where you've got six to eight companies and it's like, okay, these are the relationships we have. And by the way, the reason I'm talking like this is because I, Molly and I both have experience behind the scenes for different reasons, whether it be for interviews, side jobs, side endeavors. This is how this stuff, it actually doesn't magically happen, which we've talked about in podcasts in the past. You know, stuff doesn't happen in the industry magically, which is how I used to think it would happen. So business relationships have to be built, and there are certain catalogs or certain access they have. Was this just one of those things they had access to, and it was simultaneously a bit hardcore, so they're like, throw it on there? I, the, the, the problem I have is I feel like if if you're asking Atlas to give uh, a PlayStation 1 game, a one that people will want, one that will give the system some some niche credibility... And you're wanting a Persona game because of how big Persona now is. Um, there's Persona 2. Like, I knew you were going to say that. Persona 2 at? Like, I, Persona 2 is a way, way, way better choice to put in the slot. I'm with you on this. now, the, And I won't keep this up all night. To, to We'll move on from this. But here's my counter to that because I expected you to say that. Is it, is so, does it come down to, okay, but we don't want to put a sequel on there. We want to start with number one. 
But the problem then is you have uh, Cool Borders 2. Um, <laughs> you have our very next choice in the list, and you have a choice that's like three more down. Mm. So I, I, I know that could be an argument. And you, you have technically Final Fantasy 7, which, I mean, doesn't completely work, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. This is a really weird choice. I don't, I don't hate it, but it's, it's one of those kind of things where I, I don't know that I can suggest people play mm-hmm. this version of the first Persona ever again. Um, next up, Ridge Racer Type 4. This is the best game on this list to me, so I have absolutely no argument about Huge it. Huge thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. I'm mixed on this. I think it's a great game, but there's just so many more deserving games. And I don't know. I don't know. Like, like I guess the argument is you need something like a competitive puzzle game. If that's the case, this is a great choice. But it just it feels like too many games are missing for this to be here. 79.18, here's the issue, and I'm going to do the callback. <laughs> we get Intelligent Cube, a puzzler, and Super and, and Turbo. Two puzzlers filling up the 20 slots of 79.18. Yeah, and if we're making a choice, like, I think Intelligent Cube is the one I want to keep. So, um, Next up is Siphon Filter. Uh, sure, that makes sense. I, 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 I get it. To me, it was a poor man's Metal Gear. I know it had a fan base. I remember selling tons of copy when I, copies when I worked at Babbage's. This is made bias. I don't care if I get heat. I don't think we're going to get a lot of heat because of our fan base. Uh, but I, I don't think it deserves to be on there. Yeah. Um, Tekken 3, I, I think Tekken 3 should have been the fighting game and Toshinda not been anywhere near this list. Uh, it was a but technical I, I, marvel for its time coming home, one of the PlayStation 1's best fighters. The same argument can be made because my bias, I love fighting games, so someone could be going, hey, I'm not a huge fighting game fan. Why are we getting Toshinden and Tekken 3? You know, after I got done with my speech earlier. But I'm with you. If you had to choose one, I mean, Tekken 3 is... Uh... Yeah, that's that's not even a contest. I mean, there's yeah, just no question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six? No. No. Absolutely. This is... This, this Absolute. is... <laughs> that's a... Ex- <laughs> excluding PC, because I know PC Master Race. If you're talking Tom Clancy and you're not, you know... Uh, you don't. You're not running six graphics cards simultaneously and running things at 300 frames per second. When I think Tom Clancy, I think the Microsoft Xbox brand. Yep, exactly. I never once in my life thought, especially early years of Sony, for that. Absolutely not. Well, so so here's the problem: is Tom Clancy kind of like proved something I think on this list, and that is the fact that some of these choices are here because of current brand name recognition and not because of what they meant to the system it has to be current brand business relationships uh uh, you scratch my back i scratch yours and i got no proof of this it has to be because because uh because we now have grand theft auto we have persona one and we have tom clancy's rainbow six all three of these games are games where it is clear to me these choices were because those are big names now and that is ridiculous because this is supposed to be about what made the PS One the, the PS One. That's absolute horse shit. That that's it, that yeah. that's in there. Um, Twisted Metal. This is absolutely stupid because this should be Twisted Metal too. 
I'm not a Twisted Metal fan. Uh, I, I I always thought that series was way overrated. Uh, I, but but for what it was for the Sony PlayStation brand and the popularity it had, I, I'm with you. It they should it's it's Twisted Metal deserves to be on there for the what it did. But yeah, it should have been a later version. And finally, Wild Arms, which. No, I, I there because I'm in, in a second. I'm gonna talk about a few games that are missing, and there are just so much better RPGs that should have been here instead. Yeah, I don't have much. I don't have argument there. I do know Wild Arms, especially the original, has a following, and it's not a bad game. But this no, it's is not a bad game. But here's the no. problem: we're talking about a system that had, you know, a million JRPGs. You know, we're yeah. talking about a system that had such a great abundance of JRPGs, which hadn't really been, you know, it was only one generation before, but you really hadn't had, you know, it was it was like Super Nintendo in that respect. You know, if you love JRPGs, you know, SNES, ex- excluding, you know, I'm, I know I'm leaving out Fantasy Star, which is Sega, but you know what I'm saying. Right. You know, if you had SNES and you loved those style of JRPGs and you were looking for the next ones in the series or whatever, you had to go PlayStation. Yeah. So I made, I made a... a for fun graphic of what my <laughs> PlayStation graphic I should have done be. this. Yeah, this is a great idea. I should have done. But it. I want I want to name I want to give you a few of my names. Some of my names were obviously not names would ever happen. But let's talk about just a, quickly about a few of the games that aren't on this system. Mm-hmm. Castlevania Symphony yeah, of the Night. I... Where the f is that game? <laughs> I don't care about this re re release on the PS4 mm-hmm. that has the all new translation i didn't I realize how much that was gonna not to talk over you i didn't realize how much that was gonna bother me for a long time symphony of the night fans and i have to tell you upon playing that i mean i can't even get past the point of accepting alucard's new like void like I, it just doesn't even sound like alucard to me yeah um vagrant story yeah where where, where is that yeah if you yep silent hill i yes i'm with you on that too where is that Dino Crisis. Interesting choice. Um, interesting choice, but not a bad game. Yeah, I mean, if if it doesn't have to be on there, but it's it's a game that I think could have been. Um, speaking of RPGs, Suikoden Two. Yeah. Where is that? Uh, uh, here's a Sony game that they could have easily done. Alundra. Where is Alundra? Yeah, hand drawn, two D. The kind of their answer to uh, Legend of Zelda. Instead of Toshinden, how about Bushido Blade? Yeah. Absolutely classic mm-hmm. cult fighting game that has rarely seen release after that. Um, Parasite Eve. Are you a big fan? I'm not questioning you, but are I, you? I, I'm I, a big fan. Yeah, I should. I like I, and here's the thing. Our good news is a lot of these that you're mentioning, you know, while you can still find many online if you want the physical disc cheap. But uh, I I feel like damn near every game you uh, mentioned you can download digitally on PS3. Most of these, yes. I have uh, almost every one you said. I ha- yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, if you're gonna go for an interesting fighting game choice, how about uh, Tabal Number Two? Yeah, I, I mean that's a toughie in a well. Let, that brings up you reminded me of something. Not that in particular, but okay. Perfect uh, game you just mentioned for an example. What I thought would have been cool, since we're copying Nintendo, right? Mm-hmm. I felt 
okay, they put out the PlayStation Classic with the 20 games. And then, hey, let's throw a bone like Nintendo did with the SNES and the Star, the extra game, the Star Fox 2. Mm-hmm. I was honestly thinking this. What if you put like a bonus, like a title that never got translated or didn't come here, but you for the first time maybe experience it? And I, that was one of the ones that crossed my mind. Yeah. Like, so could you imagine a system 20 plus one and you get Tobal 2 on there as well? Yeah. That would have been good. Uh, and finally, um, instead of Rayman, I would have done Tomba. Yeah, you um, you like the first one or second? I like the first one. There was uh, this is a really weird fork in the road. So I've got one and two digitally on PS3, and the reason I'm making note of this is when Tomba Two hit digitally on PS3 a few years ago, not that long ago. It was the Japanese version on the American store. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then they were supposed to be not a patch, but then there was supposed to be a download in one's yeah. queue. I never got that. Did you? I I I don't remember the situation with this. I I, I know something happened with it, but I don't know because I don't remember how it worked. Because I feel like I don't have that version, but I don't know. And the only reason I bring it up is because this was the only opportunity to ever bring it up on the show is because you mentioned that game, but. Yeah, I remember, and I don't even know if that company, what was it, Monkey? Paul? Yeah, it was, because they were releasing a whole bunch of weird PS1 yeah. releases that I, I swore, like, nobody was ever going to buy. Right. Are it, they, was, it was neat that, what they were doing, but I don't I don't think, I don't know. Mm. But I can't yeah. remember who they were at all. Yeah, are they even, I was going to say, are they still around? I don't know. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean, that modified the, those tweaks and modifications, and I think one of the biggest ones from that one for horror fans, I mean, I don't know how, and especially with Konami, you figure not wanting to lift a finger, and I feel like just bringing anything out of their old catalog, as long as all it takes them to do is hit the enter key to upload the data, I don't know how they didn't get Silent Hill on there. Unless it's, it's kind of me just being like, we don't want to promote Silent Hill anymore at this point. Right? I, uh, do you think? Do you think from the whole Kojima debacle? I think it could be. I think. I think the, it could just be the fact that like they just don't want to even care about Silent Hill for now. Man, that guy must. Um, have... Unless they're gonna make a Western release of it, mm. you know. I mean, like a, a new Western game or mm. something. Maybe they'll make so, it. So FPS. Oh yeah, God. So real quick. <laughs> There is a conspiracy theory going around. I want to see what you think of it. Mm-hmm. So the talk, and people have, have looked at this thing. They've gone some hands-on with it. There's The opinions are very meh currently about it. Um, it's a open – it runs off an open-source PlayStation emulator, which that's fine, but I think it's ridiculous that Sony – is not emulating their own system, that they're getting a third party's emulator to emulate the system that they made. That's kind of sad to me. Um, but talk is that this is not going to be a system you can hack. You can't add new games to it. We'll, we'll see if that's true or not. But the conspiracy theory, urban legend, whatever you want to call it, going around is saying maybe Sony... Um, six months, a year down the road, whatever it's going to be, releases a DualShock controller for the system. And the DualShock controller has built-in memory that adds games to the system. So that you then, 
it would be you buy basically paying maybe the same maybe like seventy dollars, sixty dollars, whatever it is, is you buy a controller and inside that controller is twenty more PS one games that are games that you need a dual shock for, like Ape Escape, for example. What do you think about that? My knee-jerk reaction is, you know, it sounds pretty cool upon first hearing it. And I can't remember if it was a YouTube show. So here's the thing. 95% of what you just said, I did not hear. Although someone on a YouTube show I saw, it, it might have even been um, Happy Console Gamer. But, mm-hmm. you know, his theory was, hey, you know, could they release like next year? Like, because he was kind of talking about how they didn't do the DualShock with it and stuff. He's like, you know, maybe next Christmas they do another version of it, like another PlayStation 1, but it's a DualShock and they, you know, whatever. So that was the only speculation. But what you said is a lot more detailed, the rumor. Um, well, because I, I think the problem with what you're saying is that if it's a whole new system, yeah. then you have to, then they either have to only add one controller in it. Uh, to keep around that same price or they have to raise the price on the system. Whereas if they make it just a controller, they could keep the PlayStation Classic by itself on shelves, put the controller next to it, and they could keep selling both products at the exact same time. Here's the first problem. And I want to make this very clear. I I don't hack. Um, If I'm being completely honest, just so people don't think I'm holier than thou in the late 90s and stuff, did I ever have burned discs or did I ever dabble in uh, pirated games? Yes. But but as I got older and got a job and started a collection, which I also don't suggest because that's a rabbit hole in and of itself, you know, I really don't have anything that I can think of that's illegal anymore. And I got rid of all that old stuff, okay? With that being said... On my speech. I'll be damned if at any point in my life ever. When they said something can't be hacked. Or it's unhackable. (laughs) I swear to God the hackers of the world. They will crack that thing. I mean if it takes them any more than like four days. And I'm being generous. I will be blown away. Well I I think maybe part of the problem is. The fact is like it's just not the internal memory to add new games it's that could be part of it you know is is just the fact that like you physically can't fit more games onto it because of how much room these games take and i I think if you counted it up it was just under like eight gigabytes all right so i think the, the idea is like if they put just eight gigabytes of storage in there there would not be the storage to actually add new games to it. Well, you're smart, and you probably know I'm going to, you know, we can dice cut this up all night, but, like, you're smart. You know what's, I mean, it, this is what it's going to come down to. When they crack that thing open and they look inside, if there's, like, are, are you, we don't know, but, like, are you saying the memory, the, uh, you know, you're going to tell me the hacker won't find a way to remove that piece and then just utilize no, the emulator? No, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 and I'm not putting I, you personally on the right. spot. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I mean, what what you said is the truth. Is is there's every everything, everything can be hacked. Like there has not been anything so far that could not be hacked. So it will be hacked. It's just a question of like how easy will it be to add games. To I that. will tell you this: if that thing is unhackable, which I'm, which we both know, I don't believe for a moment. If that thing were truly unhackable. 
I'll bet you Nintendo gets on the phone for the first time in 30 years and gets on the phone and calls Sony. Because if they figured out a way to do something like that, uh, Nintendo will be one of the first people. And, I, you know, uh, there's a lot of things I don't like about Nintendo. But from a business perspective, I do get it to protect their properties and stuff. And, that, you know what I mean? Some of the stuff they do with companies or suing. And I, I get it as an adult. But, yeah, if that thing winds up being unhackable, I will b- damn bet you that... D- Nintendo will be calling Sony to look at that technology or license it or get in bed together because nobody has been able to figure that out. By the way, real quick, um, a few of the impressions from this thing. Uh, some of the games seem actually they might be the European versions, which is really oh, weird. Oh, I saw that. <coughs> There's There are no special screen borders or graphic display options, which is really weird. Um, the, the problem to me is this feels like, this feels like something that they're putting out and they're just not putting effort into. They're, they're like, it's, it's, it's funny because you would think of all the companies, you know, that would put effort in something like this, you would think Sony would be one, but they're, it almost feels in a way like they're treating this like one of those, just those, you know, at games, Genesis is you plug into a TV and it's just... This is you know. one of the biggest tragedies to to treat the original PlayStation's place in history like this is an absolute disgrace. Uh, it's 720p output. Um, soft scaling doesn't really look great. There's noticeable lag. It's just... It, it's like go ahead no it's i'm saying i'm repeating myself it's a disgrace yeah i mean this should be look you could make the argument hey nintendo did it first and now sony's phone's fine make all the jokes you want but they should be treating this as like this could definitely sell as well as the nes and snes classic I, i no doubt i mean the library i mean the PlayStation has one of the greatest libraries of all time. You know what's funny? What's very, very funny is um, after Sega announced they were doing their Genesis Mini, mm-hmm. people got upset, and then they asked said, okay, we're going to hold off, because I think it was going to go through like at games or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like We're going to hold off. We're going to rethink this. We're going to make it ourselves. We're going to take more time. We're going to make something that is actually worth selling. Sega in this situation is the company caring more about quality than Sony is. I can't believe it. And I as will much as, as much I, as I love Sega, like Sega in 2018 being the better about caring about what they're releasing. <laughs> I mean, and I will say this: I saw you um, pre-order this. I will say, if I still had an actual physical, wait, wait, game, wait, wait, pre-order, pre-order what? Oh, but maybe I'm maybe I'm drunk and making this up in my sleep. Didn't you pre-order one of those beautiful? Um, okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. I, I just want to make sure that we're clear that you're not saying I pre-ordered a PlayStation Classic. <laughs> I don't want people thinking the wrong thing about me here. <laughs> so if I still had a Genesis physical collection, yes. you know, or got that bug to get back into that, that's the new, the latest analog. Uh, Mm-hmm. Console coming out correct? What in twenty nineteen? 
2019, April, March or April. Yeah, that is a beautiful piece. So that's I am so goddamn excited. Yeah, tell the fans about that because it looks sleek. It looks nice. So it's funny because okay, so Analog is a company that um, now correct me if I'm wrong here because I I I haven't followed them the entire way. I think I think their first project was they made this really crazy wooden Neo Geo AES. Oh, I forgot about that. I think that was their first project. Mm And then they made an, what they called like an analog something or other. And I don't know if it was NT or what it was called. I think so, but, yeah. Um, my understanding was, is that they basically took a bunch of old Famicoms and just took the hardware out of them and used that hardware to basically make a new NES Famicom playing system. It was out of fancy aluminum casing. It was ridiculously expensive. I think it was like Neo Geo levels of expensive console-wise. Um, so that was that system, and then they made like a, an analog mini, which I think was a cheaper version of their NES stuff. But at a certain point, I don't know if it's with that that second NES console or if it's the next thing, they they moved to the FB, FPGA, which we've talked about before, is the the chip that basically instead of doing software emulation, so that you're emulating, you know, um, like typical emulators, you're 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 making this chip that can program itself to think it's the hardware. So wow. They, so you basically have the system that thinks now it thinks it is an NES, and it works like an NES. So it's 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 still emulation at a certain level, but you're not having any kind of software that's having to pretend like it's hardware. You have hardware that think it, that thinks it is that hardware. Um, so they then I think it was last year. They came out with the analog Super NT, and that was a version based around the Super Nintendo. Yes. Uh, this was a much cheaper option. This is like I don't know. So again, I don't remember if this was their first really cheap option, but it was one hundred and eighty nine dollars. And I've basically since it came out, I've been going back and forth on if I wanted one um, because I do have a small Super Nintendo library, mm-hmm. but not mm-hmm. like a, a very big one, mm-hmm. and. This is kind of like one of those great... This is probably one of the best options you could have right now for going into the future and still using your Nintendo Super Nintendo carts. Right. Uh, because again, like you get like a Retron and that is software emulation. There's other systems that will actually copy the game off of your cartridge, but it's still using software kind of emulation things. This is the closest you can get without having the original hardware. And so I've been going back and forth about whether or not I wanted one because I've got just enough Super Nintendo cartridges that I would like to have something that still play them going forward. But in the back of my mind, I thought they're going to announce Genesis. They're going to announce Genesis. And they did finally announce the Mega SG, which, and this, for a Sega fan like me, this is absolutely amazing. So by default, it will play... um, the very least western and japanese genesis and mega drive games i think it also will play european ones i can't 100 percent confirm that um but it will play genesis and mega drive and then when you buy it i believe you get the adapter that you put in the cartridge slot that then lets you play sega master system games well no kidding 
I think you get that. I think I think because you get one adapter with the system. I think that's wow. what you get. And then for ten dollars each, they're going to sell additional adapters that will let you play Sega Master System card games. Like if you've never seen them, oh Jesus, yeah. The the Sega My Card, yeah. It, it looks very similar to the the Turbo Graphics Turbo Chip cards. Mm-hmm. Um, you play those. You're going to be able to play Game Gear games on it. Jesus. Uh, the Mark was it Mark One and Mark Three or would I, the Marks? I'm not completely familiar with those, but the two different Mark systems. So there's at least like four different classic Sega systems. Wow. That will all be playable on this hardware. And I am so gosh darn excited. Yeah, you'll have to take photos and stuff because I'm not in on that, so to speak. I'm not getting that, but uh, yeah, take some shots of that for me. Um, speaking of the my cards, I only remember owning a couple back in uh, when I had the Master System, but I, I don't know why. I remember what was, was it? Ghost House. Yeah. God. I remember it was pl- Ghost House, and I think I think Teddy Boy was one of the Master. The wow. Card yeah. Games. And oh, there was a few other ones. Too. What was wasn't there like a? No, I, I hate to. I use the term beat 'em up real loosely. Um, yeah. I was, oh, what, my Black, hero. My was, hero. I think my hero was a, was one of my cards. Whew. Now the thing I used the card the card slot for, um, and sadly I don't think this will be compatible. But um, that was also the way you use the adapter for the Sega CD. I mean Sega, Sega 3D glasses. Oh, I never had one that. of the I very remember, yeah. very early. Uh-huh. methods of playing games in 3d wow did you ever have that yeah wow how was yeah, it did I, you I, like I, it i still have my glasses they were actually really really impressive for like the the time and the way they worked hmm. so what it was was actually because you had to plug it in to get power to the glasses and what it did was there were two shutters in the glasses and it would very very rapidly Open one, close the other. Open one, close the other. Up and one, so that your eyes were only seeing one frame at a time. Jesus, and that's the way they did the three D. Was like because it was like switching back and forth between which which of your eyes was seeing an image at any one time. How did you feel after view? I mean, it's a long time ago, but it was fine. Yeah, I mean, like it was. I mean, I think it took a little bit of getting used to, but it wasn't anything like like VR or wow. anything like that. Um, but just real quick, so the uh, the Mega SG will output. All games through uh, HDMI at, at 1080p, um, $189. Oh, it is completely compatible with the Sega CD and Mega CD, which is extra awesome because I do actually have my Sega CD sitting here. So wow, you'll you'll then if you have the hardware, you'll be able to play your um, Sega CD and Mega CD games. Uh, it is not, however, compatible with 32x. And they said there is the potential they could do something in the future to make them playable, but not anything at this point. Um, they just because this is what you have to do. They even put a little headphone jack on the front of the system. Oh, nice. Yes, because that's just you know, um, that that's just so Sega. Yeah, I love uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so it's Mark. I'm sorry, Mark Three, Game Gear, Sega My Card. SG-1000 and SC-3000. So it, it will be able to play a number of systems that never even came to America. Um, wow. So if you have any access to like those Japanese games, you can you can play those. Um, 8-Bit Doe is 
in conjunction with this, making a new wireless. The controller looked nice, yeah. Genesis controller, which yeah. I have ordered one to see how how it is because it does look really neat. Um, six six button, of course, and yeah. So there'll be little adapters, and then it comes out. Let's see. Pre-order. When does it come out? Uh, April, April of next year. And there are four colors. There's the USA color scheme, which is what I got because just that's what I know and love. Uh, Japanese color scheme, which is basically has the blue reset button. Hmm. The European color scheme, which is the gray reset button, but then also the gray power light, and then a, an all white version of the system. Wow. And the controllers are twenty four ninety nine each. Hmm. So. Not bad. Yep. Not bad. I actually, I actually bought a Genesis game today in anticipation of this. <laughs> what, as we begin to wrap up here, what uh, what game did you pick up? Well, I, it's it's nothing exciting. I got uh, Super Monaco GP two. Oh no, kidding! Because I liked those games back in the day, and I never actually owned them, and it was four dollars. So. Wow, not bad. What is it? A local uh, little used shop by you? Or well, what? not quite little. It's it's. Um, I don't know if you remember them from the old days of, of EGM and things, but Game Dude. Oh my God! Yeah, they're they still are, in they business. Are, they are still around, and their store is amazing. It really, is, it is huge, and they still do priceless. So you can actually like you can right now. Um, go to their website and pull up every single one of their price lists and see what their prices are. Wow! And it'll tell you like what they what they buy it for, what they sell it for. That is that is old school. But I went there, and the problem was is they had a ton of Genesis games, but there were only like five that actually had cases, and this was one of the five. And, oh Jesus! Um, I actually, as I did like the Monaco GP games, but I never actually owned one, so I, I picked hmm. it up. Hmm. Well, awesome. Yep. Well, I will. Uh, we will wrap up on this note. Once again, want to thank uh, fans for hitting download and uh, kind of getting back into the groove. It took me a few minutes, but uh, we got comfortable in our old uh, gaming chairs here this evening. Uh, I, I do real, real quick, real quick before yeah. you before you end. Yeah. Two quick things. Um, if you go to Twitter and if you search Molly Pen, my name, and then Andrew. Uh, you should find from April 18th a tweet that I made with the link to see all of Andrew's writing on EGM's website. And I have not written my review for it yet, but I want to say SNK 40th Anniversary is one of the neatest retro collections I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and that's 13 titles on there and then another 10 coming in early December. Did I get that right? Yeah, I think it's two different dates. I don't, I'm not. I could be wrong, but yeah, mm-hmm. there's two different DLC packages, or there's one package they announced in separately. Um, but there are additional titles for it, and it does some really, really cool stuff. Like I know I told Anthony about this earlier. Um, there's a thing where you can actually watch the game being played if you want to see, like, you know, as talked about strategy earlier, like strategies, or just see things past what you've been able to get to. And then anytime you can stop the, the the replay, and then you can play the game from the exact moment that you stopped the video, video quote unquote. I think it's a, that's a replay file. Um, they've done a lot with the controls. So for example, this is something that we've never seen at home before. But now the Akari Warriors games, 
Um, you can use the right stick for your aiming, oh, which wow. is a really big deal wow. because in the arcade, the, the stick, you basically physically I, turned the stick. Like, it's hard to explain. but Like the, the twist top? I can't remember if yeah, that was yeah, the... You, yeah, yeah. Well, it was the entire stick, like, yep. twisted. It was like um, 16, I can't remember, 8 direction or whatever. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, something like that. And, and so that's been very, very hard to replicate at home, but they actually map that onto the right stick. Um, for any game where there's a home version, arcade version, both versions of the games are on there. Um, there's a really amazing history section for SNK where they actually went to places in Japan and, and dug up like these old games that barely have any um, any resources on them, like any kind of like you know, photos barely exist or details on these games really exist. And, and these things have kind of been like almost lost to time. Like they're, they go through and like kind of document some of those games. Um, and the reason I'm holding off my review, which will probably be up by the time you hear this, is that there's a big patch coming that adds even more control stuff and other things. And so wow. it's a really, it's, it's a, it's a tough package if you're not used to old games because I think a lot of people, when they think SNK, they think Neo Geo. And this is pre-Neo Geo stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of esoteric uh, for a lot of people. But it's a great package. And if you care about older games, especially SNK, this is really awesome. Yeah, I watched an online or a review of it. And um, yeah, it's very tempting. So I'm interested to see your final review. I think and, it's only like forty dollars or something like that yeah. too. I think. And there was there's a game I picked up on Friday which I really wanted to talk about that I am excited to play and I did not download the demo last week and it's a game that I would imagine I would have thought they would give to you to review. I don't know if they did, but uh, I kept my mouth shut because I haven't cracked it open yet, and that's Tetris Effect. I I so the problem I have right now is um, I'm trying to get through SNK 40th, but then I have. Uh, Gal Metal, Tetris Effect, and Taiko no Tatsujin are all hitting at the exact same time. Taiko no Tatsujin? Is that the... What is that? <coughs> you know, the kind of Taiko drum game. Oh, from, that's what I thought. Well, is there yeah, one, another the, one coming here? Yeah, they just they just released for both Switch and PS4. They're actually two different versions of the game. Oh, my God. So I'm trying to figure out what to do about it because, yeah, it's been kind of a flood of games that are like specifically tailored towards me come out recently and so those three kind of all hit at once and so mm. it's been tough yeah wow. so it's not like that i haven't gotten them it's just like right. having gotten to review them well we will do our best to record at least a little bit sooner maybe before the year is out realistically or yes. maybe a little bit before christmas uh, i will do my standard round of plugs super quickly as we wrap up gvgp34 don't forget to check out our main site at radio.morningproject.com. You can find me on Twitter still at 24bitaje with the number two, the number four. You can find Molly at Molly Penn on Twitter. That's M-O-L-L-I-P-E-N. There's still the official feed of Morning Radio, which can be found at at Morn Radio. That's at M-O-R-N-R-A-D-I-O. 
If you haven't uh, subscribed to us on iTunes, do so. Go to iTunes and search the keywords Morning Radio or GVGP. Leave us a five-star review because we're nothing but ear candy and make your day delightful. And check out the big boys at egmnow.com. That's the one and only Electronic Gaming Monthly, which has been around since 1989. And check out the Twitter handle, at EGMNow. So once again, thank you for listening. Hey, GVGP fans. Hey, we're back again. Yes, you're still stuck in that vortex of episode 34. We're not quite done yet. We have magically fast-forwarded a couple weeks, and episode 34 hasn't gone up yet because, well, Molly and I have found yet even more stuff to complain about in correlation to the PlayStation Classic. Yes, that's right. We thought we had gone on and on, and we thought we'd given it a pretty good beatdown, necessarily, but uh, just when we thought things couldn't get any worse, boy, we were wrong. How's everything going? I feel like we're finding out why we didn't get a lot of information in the first right. place. Because they were just trying to, like, rip the Band-Aid off as slowly as they could, you know, and, like, eke out these kind of different revelations to people. It's It's been just crazy with this thing. I mean, it's uh, – look, I could sit here I, – I, like, I'm not even at the point where I want to yell or I'm, I'm just – I'm at a loss for words because – you know, you, we we could get into the excuse of like, hey, they did this due to uh, licensing or audio licensing, or maybe they just didn't have a certain relationship with a certain third party at this point in time. We could make up all of these weird excuses like we did a couple of weeks ago to try and give it a pass on certain decisions. But with what we're about to say, when I first heard out uh, heard about this a couple days ago, I mean, it really does sound like fiction and. Like, I would say, why don't they just pull the plug on this thing? Because instead of people getting together and saying, hey, I'm going to rush out and reserve this thing before it sells out. Legitimately, I see a lot of YouTube videos and tweets about people doing the opposite and canceling their reservations if they had already done so. And what we're going to lead to here, and I'll let Molly... uh, Well, yeah, it's been interesting because, like, you know, because there's been, like, three stages to this in the first stage was of course the the full game list right. coming out and then there was if i'm remembering the timeline right it was um the hands-on reviews started coming out uh which we did not get one there were not very many outlets uh who got them i'm back and forth on the reasons of why that happened and then the third thing was the kind of like the faq came out and it's just funny that like each successive thing has seemed to be worse and like you said, like I've seen just more and more people with each announcement. You would think like each announcement should be like hiding people up and making them want to reserve it more. But each time I've this something has happened, I've just seen that's it. I'm canceling. You know, I'm canceling my pre-order. I'm getting rid of it. I've seen like that more and more and more. Well, this next hit that it takes is just so crazy. Something that's a thing of the past and something that really only two things gamers of the 80s and 90s will remember if you're you know really on the scene and did some importing and then particularly obviously our friends uh, all the way over the atlantic uh in europe in that now we are discussing how of the 20 classics that will be on board almost half of them nine of them will suffer from uh original well there'll be the european version which in turn will suffer from 
uh, latency running at 50 hertz instead of the traditional North American uh, or Japanese 60 hertz, correct? Yeah, and and I love the fact that like even Europeans are pissed off about this, you know, because they're like, yeah, we don't want those versions anymore. Right. You know, we want the better American versions. This is like the craziest part to me. This really is. And this has been a back and forth on, into why they would do it. And there's been um, a few suggestions. Is One is that maybe, you know, for some reason there were certain games where the American version didn't have um, certain uh, language right. localizations. And so it was just quicker and easier to use the European version so it would have you know, more language support and put those in. Maybe it's a case of like the American versions had licensed content or something in them, you know, that, that would cause you to not be able to use it. I don't know, but this is just horrible. <laughs> this is horrible. Like, I mean, um, people have said, you know, that they've noticed the slowdown. They've noticed the difference. And one of the worst on here. Of course, would be right. Tekken three because when you have a fighting game that's not running at full speed, you're gonna notice that. That's gonna change how the game plays. And you know, I've seen people who have grown up with the the PAL versions, which are like doesn't matter to them. But I've seen a lot more, and said including Europeans, that have been unhappy with this just as much as everybody else around the world who have especially not been happy with this it makes no sense and then you know here's the thing and with what i'm about to suggest you know i'm not looking to maintain that the europeans get shortchanged but uh, correct me if i'm wrong let's say for some reason they had to put on put european versions on there for the european release be, due to the ex the extra languages okay all right i'll play along mm -hmm. fine but we're talking about digital data dumped on we'll call it some sort of like mini sd card or memory inside of this unit stop me if i'm wrong molly but like is it really that much extra work on your print run for us versus euro to just dump different data in our set versus theirs i i that's a good question and i think it's been the case of they don't want to make anything but one system it, but that, that kind of gets ruined by the fact that it's a Japanese one, yeah. right? You know, so, so why is the rest of the world all having to have the same one? And then Japan gets their own with their own list of games. It's, it makes absolutely no sense. And it's not like you're constructing like an entire circuit board or cartridge or something. You know what I mean? Like th there's no way. Like when you rip this thing open, isn't it? It's right. some variation of the, uh, was it the ARM processor, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't looked at the full specs on it yet, but I think it's yeah. just basically some sort of storage uh, a kind of processor that you would expect to be in there, and that's really, like, nothing fancy. Um, oh, there, was, there was something else I was going to say, and now it, it just escaped me, but it's... it's oh, wait, oh, well, you, and, 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 well, one of the things yeah. about this, though, is is that... Because um, the, the points are brought up that you can change the, the speed at which PAL games play to try to make them... Um, more akin to the the american versions if you're running through an emulator which we'll mention that in a minute uh but i and i'm not an expert on this part but i think the problem that you have is because you're changing that kind of a clock frequency at that, mm -hmm. that kind of level that i think it was explained that one of the things that happens is at a certain point you have to like repeat a frame in order to have the right frame rate so 
I'm not saying it goes from five frames to six frames. So let's just use that as an example. Let's say that the 50 hertz one would have five frames in the same time that 60 hertz would have six frames. So I think the kind of solution that ends up happening is, if that's our example, that when you convert it, in order to get the six frames, at some point, one of those five frames has so to be So it's weird. Repeated. The speed it's moving at is, we'll call it correct, but the actual frames taking place are not correct. That's what I believe is the case. That's what I like. I've, I said I haven't read deeply into this, but in the stuff I've been reading, I think that's what they were saying is kind of one of the main solutions of how you fix this. But but the problem is, is if you read the the impressions that have come out from, from different people who have played the PlayStation Classic, you know, they've said certain games, and at the time I believe they didn't know why, but they said certain games felt like they were Oh, okay, slower. right. Now they know why. Well, the other thing I was saying as it was escaping me was... Uh, you know, let's once again give benefit of the doubt. Let's say it's a cost thing as to why they don't want to run two separate prints of data, which which to me is a click of a button. But let's say it's a lot more work than I'm, than I'm thinking. Well, this goes back to basic 101. How much money are you going you, – you're, you're trying to be efficient and save money as a company on this project. But how much money are you now losing by making that horrible decision? It's, yeah, and I mean, this is going to be the question is, is I want to see what this means in the long run, you know, is, because a lot of people can say that they're canceling their pre-orders, but, you know, I think way more people aren't going to know about this or aren't going to be that dedicated. So I want to see how many people know but don't care, how many people might hear about it but not look into it, you know, how many people might not know, period, like, I want to see how it does. Like, I think it's still going to do, do pretty well, but I think it is. I think it is. Because I think there's going to be enough people who just don't know well, and don't care. Do you? What was the number? It was combined total for SNES and NES Classic, which would cover the last 22 to 24 months. You know, obviously the NES was out for two years. SNES has been one year now. How many units was that total? It was 50. I saw it recently. Yeah. I wanted to do some quick yeah. math. I want I, this is going to sound high. I was going to say fifteen million, but that's both units combined over two years. That might be a bit high. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, but by the way, while we're thinking about that, um, can I point yeah. out to you, yeah, Anthony, that uh, Sony Sony can't make separate consoles for Europe and North yeah. America. Um, meanwhile, SNK is making a Christmas. This version is crazy. Of the Neo Geo Mini. This is cr- uh, like, with with what, modified what is, what games is, what is on the there. What is, what is the day that SNK is doing something? It's like to a more professional degree than. And you Sony brought this is. up to me privately. We might as well add more fuel to the fire. You said, "What kind of day are we living in where Sony in-house firsthand is botching up like what should be the easiest money of all time, and then you have Digital Eclipse in conjunction with SNK putting out a top-rated." Classics uh, collection on Switch in SNK 40th. Yeah, and, and not only that, but like from a company who's been long known for doing terrible ports of like classic games. So I, I don't know what kind of weirdo world we're in. 13 uh, titles out the box, you know, excluding uh, console versions on top of what's already on there. And then 11 more free titles uh, in about a week and a half. 
Yep. I don't know. This is... Uh, so, by the way, it, it was uh, 10 million units across both countries. So, I was pretty close. Okay. So, points. let's see. Two years, two, five million a year. Okay. I'm going to make this really easy, real rough and dirty. So, if that's 10 million units over two years, let's just make it easy. That's five million apiece. So, each respective year, each unit sold two and a half million. All right. Okay. Right. This is real. Okay. So, that's with the... That's... Hold on a second. So, that means... 2.5 million divided by 12. That means those units sold approximately 208,000 a month. You figure a lot of that's going to come around holiday. I'm going to double that for the month of December. I'm totally guesstimating. Let's make believe just for the month of December last year that the SNES Classic sold a half million units in December. Mm. We're, we're coming up on December. PlayStation Classic is coming out right at the start of the month. There is no way. So my guess online might have been pretty close. I said to myself, or I said, do you think the PlayStation Classic will even crack for the month of December? A hundred thousand units sold. I think so. I, I my my guess my guess was two hundred two hundred fifty thousand. I mean I'm I think like worldwide. Like, I right. Mean, that's the question is like what's gonna be per. But I think the problem with the PS Classic is gonna be. How much it sells past that first Right, month. longevity. Like you they, you might be able to fool some people or get that Christmas rush, kind of like the people that buy those uh, throwaway little handheld game things you always see pop up around Christmas at stores all over and then they disappear. Right. Yeah. So that's my big question is like how, how is this going to do in the long run? Like I don't – that I don't know. I think it's going to be fantastic for Christmas and then they're going to sell whatever they can make and put on stores. But uh, I think then like do you – you know, does Sony pull the, this was a holiday kind of thing? Or do they try to do what Nintendo ended up doing with their stuff and it doesn't work? Like, I, I just, I, I am wondering, once it gets out there, once people it, have actually played it and seen it, and kind of the, the thrill and excitement has, has calmed right. down, like, how many are you going to sell? It makes there? them, they look so bush league. They look so second rate in how they're handling this and it's just not necessary i mean they look they, they look but, like amateurs in how they're handling this versus the the nes and snes classic and i'm not like some huge nintendo fanboy i mean we could make the argument that those two other you know pieces of plastic weren't even necessary but when you look at the sales numbers and uh you know the nostalgia the memories are how you know and they did a decent job I mean, this is this is a huge. I mean, the only way that I can't imagine, you know, that Sony can't be too upset is if it's not costing them not much to manufacture, but it 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 still makes them seem bush league. Well, okay. Speaking of things that seem make them seem looking bush league, and there are arguments back and forth as to why this is either oh good God. or bad. But we found out that, and this 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 oh part God. kills me the most. The PlayStation Classic uses an open source playstation emulator i saw a rumor on that i didn't click it so you're saying it, it uses something called ps and pcsx now i mean i just like i want you to think about this anthony you have sony mm -hmm. for years and years and years a company known for right. the technology they made the playstation right. i don't know how much i have to emphasize that they made the playstation They've emulated the PlayStation. That's yeah, on future console. Yes. Not only that, they 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 have a miniature device 
that plugs to your TV that can emulate PlayStation 1 games on it. And they go out for this for their PlayStation Classic, the thing honoring their first system, and they use an open source emulator to run it. They 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 use software that some fans made by hacking the PlayStation to figure out how it worked. It's just I don't know how many times I can repeat myself. It's it's uh it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And some people have brought up the fact that like it, it shows how impressive, you know, like homebrew and emulators and things like that have become. Absolutely. This is nothing against PCSX. Absolutely nothing at all. It's just the fact that Sony, the company who made the PlayStation, can't then make a product that emulates the PlayStation without using somebody else's I mean, this technology. is how I see it, and this is coming... Well, can't or, or won't. Yeah, like, I, I, it's, you know what I bet it is? I bet it's won't. I think it's laziness. I think it's looking for the shortcut. Um, you know, this is one of those times where companies like Sony should step up and be like, hey, we created this, and how we're going to emulate our product here is going to be head and shoulders above anything you've seen illegally... Uh, online over the last decade and we're going to show you how an emulator you know so to speak should be done and it's embarrassing they're going and taking you know a piece of uh software that's ripped them off and using it in their own product that's the thing like there's a certain you know point when if they could you know sony would have like sued this yeah emulator into out of existence yeah and now they're going to it to use it well, I tell you what, and I know this isn't why we're doing the addendum to GVGP34, but you, you're mentioning uh, suing and emulating and all that kind of stuff. Well, not emulating. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, someone whose ass is going to get sued right off and cut up and put in a tuna fish can is whoever, if if by some stroke of God, Nintendo finds out who uh, leaked uh, the Smash Brothers Ultimate Smash? information yeah. on YouTube. Oh God, I wouldn't want to be that person. Which was funny because everybody was saying, like, oh, maybe it's reviewers, and none of us even had code yet. None of us had even been offered code yet. Um, said that's, that was funny. I'm trying to figure out. I mean, we've seen stuff like that happen before, and they and they do usually wind up finding out. I mean, th- this, I mean, from my understanding, this was a retail outlet, potentially in Mexico, I really? think. Really? That, that got copies and put them out wow. early. Like, you're out in this, it, it's, a, it's a terrible thing. Because the more, you know, I understand why small stores do that. Because then it gives them the leg up against like a GameStop or a Best Buy or things like that. And, you know, they, they kind of have to do whatever they can to stay in business. Mm-hmm. But that then screws small stores more. Right. Because in every like mom and pop shop will get their shipments later. than the big retailers they know isn't going to break mm. street dates. So it sucks. Um, but so... The thing that is funny about the emulation stuff on the PlayStation Classic is that, you know, I, I know some people were saying, because my thought before was, is this going to be a Vita TV? Basically? Yeah, someone else brought that you up. Know, I never that, even thought right. of that, but someone brought that point up. I'll let you finish your point. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, that was my thought. And some people said, like, well, the problem with that is that it's it's because the res- with the PlayStation, because it's, it's really the Vita is emulating the PSP, which the PSP was running the PS1 code, and you're going through kind of some weird resolutions, and it might not okay. look as good. Um, and I actually hooked up my PS TV to my HDTV again and like ran it, and I think they look fine. I mean, they don't look the best, but they're okay. Um, 
But from my understanding, then, is the PlayStation Classic, it takes all games from 480i mm-hmm. to 720p, and then from 720p to 1080p. And that those steps kind of muddy the visuals up. So between that and the fact that you're running Niners games as PAL versions, like, I think the kind of benefit this might have had over a PlayStation TV in terms of the video quality, like, it's kind of, like, negated to me. It's ins- I don't know, like, I, I, I hooked up my PS TV, I tried it, and I was like, you know what, I can be... Because not only that, but I could... I could then plug a DualShock 4 into it and actually have like right, analog sticks right. and everything. And I was like, you know what? This experience to me is more than enough. Like I don't even need the PlayStation Classic. It was kind of that feeling. Well, and I think a lot of people forget this too because I've actually told some of the younger workers at GameStop this in that. So obviously we know PlayStation 3 has access to a bunch of PlayStation 1 classics for download. But there's a lot of people that don't realize even if you don't have an original PS3 with uh, the capability to to play ps2 games all ps3s can play playstation one disc games yeah and you do get at least on the digital downloads you do get a couple filter options which aren't bad you know uh it's like a smoothing and uh something else or whatever which i think they look fine but that's another that's another thing it's like sony has all of this experience like you were saying earlier with their PlayStation 2 Endeavor, PlayStation 3, uh, Vita TV, all of these different things they've tried over the years, running them on, on handhelds. I, I mean, look, I don't like to wish anyone, you know, uh, everyone has bills and, you know, everyone, you know, you need a job to survive. But it's like, who's getting fired after this thing releases? Because whoever worked on this is, uh, unless their hands are tied or there's, you know, stuff that we're just completely unaware of, who could be proud of this? Well, speaking of filters, Mr. Anthony, the PlayStation Classic has no filters. Yeah, that's... I know. I I, I know it... There's no screen It's got filters, nothing. Nothing, nothing for it's, improving it's the display, nothing for improving shit. polygons. There's no rewind feature, which I, I wouldn't have expected that, but a lot of these kind of things do have them now. And if you use the uh, save, save right. states, there's only one per game. Now, the good part about oh, that, however, on. there is a catch to that, <laughs> is that for any game that uses memory cards, you can create up to 15 virtual memory cards. So you can use the save system inside the game. Okay. Okay. I see. To right. have plenty of saves. But for any games that right. don't, you have one and only one save state. Well, I did see a review and it did talk about the resolutions as we just have, which makes things even more challenging to view. But, you know, from all from no filtering to how it displays it on a 1080 or 4K television. And the gentleman who reviewed it was even saying that's pro- probably why he spent most of his time with this playing the 2D titles like Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, uh, Mr. Driller, uh, because those didn't suffer as much from the, you know, polygonal 3d anomalies running on an HDTV off this thing i mean it was just i uh, yeah. i don't know if you saw i because I, I did catch one review the other night and, I, and it wasn't from an outlet that i normally watch i had to find it via a youtube search and uh yeah i mean it was rough that you know they were talking about things like rainbow six on there and how without the analog it's so touchy and like there's they just have yeah. no idea as to why that's even on there and then i also thought of you because 
you were the first to bring up about that the the famous scene in Metal Gear Solid with Psycho Manus, and they showed it, and you know that whole thing loses its uh, charm for that scene. It, it's just it's it's oh, and the other game was like Rayman, you know, he because that was another two, you know, and they got into the whole argument of. You know how Nintendo's titles, not only did they have filters and whatnot on those on those machines, but, you know, in some ways, all of that stuff uses classic sprite-based art. And as you can see over time, a lot of that stuff has aged more gracefully due to that, you know, instead of early primitive uh, 3D titles. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. This is crazy. I mean, we've beat up on this thing for... Well, so, so okay, so I want to yeah. read real quick. Um, from your gamer... Uh, which they do like fantastic like deep dives and like the tech mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so they're saying Tekken three because being the PAL version runs eighty three point three percent of its intended mm-hmm. speed, gameplay wise. Um, and I was actually I was actually right. So in the fact that it goes from fifty to sixty, uh, in order to catch up, what they're doing is every six frames <laughs> a duplicate. They are doing that, but then it also goesn't say that like if you have a thirty hertz title. Things are worse because, um, being the PAL version, they can only play at a maximum of 25 frames a second. So you can't get the, the 30 that they should be. So you're actually losing five frames a second because of being the PAL versions. Wow. And, and then you have again like the frame jittering and stuff because of of it trying to like catch up and things. I saw an interesting side. It had nothing to do with the PlayStation Classic or any of that, but I saw an interesting side by side video of Sonic One being played. It was um, you've probably seen this video, and it was the first level, and they had the PAL version running side by side with the oh, NTSC. Yeah. And I have yeah. to be very honest with you. When I first started watching it, the first few seconds, I'm like, oh, I don't really see. I didn't really see too much of a difference. Oh. But once I adjusted and then really could see the difference in speed, and then w- when that level was over, the PAL version was over seven seconds behind the NTSC version. And you can hear the music too. Yeah, that's yeah, yes. Once I that's correct because at first I didn't catch the music. You're right, but then that really drove that point home. Almost an eight second delay on and on uh, Sonic. That is crazy. Which I mean, like you know, back in the day when they had television standards were different. Like, that was one thing. And, you know, Europeans were just kind of like, sorry, that's just the right. way it is. But, like, now that we all have HDTVs that don't mm-hmm. have that issue, like, this should not be the case. Like I said, like, even now, like, poor Europeans are being screwed by getting the European versions because that's not what they want. You know, they want the versions that run to the proper speeds like where they're supposed to have. It's just, like, this whole thing is... is it it. I mean, again, like you said, not to keep harping on it, but it just feels, this feels like if you went out and got some, like, Chinese knockoff PlayStation system, like, this is, like, it feels like this is what they would do. I mean, even, like, the menus, right? If you've Mm -hmm. seen the menus, they look so barren and so, like, underdeveloped. Like, everything about it feels like somebody rushing to make a product to, like, cash in on on, the, the wave of nostalgia currently. Well, well, two things. The the only positive thing I can say about this thing is the actual shell, the actual unit itself, the controllers and the, uh, you know, the PlayStation Classic chunk of plastic itself looks great. And then yeah. I, I don't know if it was uh, Did You Know Gaming. I watch that channel every now and then on YouTube, and I can't remember if this is where I got this tidbit from. But, uh, you know, just speaking of quality and how Sony over the years has done many great products, 
you know, I didn't realize that the original PlayStation was highly sought after by audiophiles because at the time it was considered one of the best, if not the best, like the world's best CD player. And they felt the audio on it was superior to many other high-end yeah. uh, CD units out there. And, and originally had like the full, and I, I, I had, I don't, I don't have it anymore, but I did have the day one model and it had the full like... Uh, what RCA? That's right. That's correct. For audio yes. and everything. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, and then, and then the PS2, I mean, was maybe not the best that existed, but it was a really, really good, inexpensive yeah. DVD player. That was the first DVD player for a whole right. lot of people. PS3 was one of the best Blu-ray players I agree. you get with a lot of extra yeah. features and stuff. And it's like Sony, yeah, Sony used to be known for like their dedication to making, you know, I mean, you, you hear like the legendary tales of, of, you know, Sony engineers submerging their, like, portable products. I don't know if, like, the Walkman it was specifically or, or the radios or what, like, into water and seeing if, like, air bubbles would come up because if they did, that meant they had more space they could wow. get rid of on the inside. You know, they could refine it and make it smaller. And you have, like, go from that era to just a throwing crap together feeling. And it's sad. Well, they better get their act together because uh... – you know, uh, I'm sure they got to be hard at work or working on PS5, and hopefully this current work ethic isn't going to uh, follow through in their next endeavor, because... Can we remember, Anthony, can we remember that Sega announced a Mega Drive Mini, they were going to work with At mm -hmm. Games, people complained, and then they said, all right, we're going to scrap that, and work with a legit Japanese company to make something good to give you guys. It's going to take longer, but it's going to be better. Sega did yeah, that. That's... So again, Sega's out outperforming Sony in this. SNK's outperforming Sony in this. I didn't, and I didn't realize, so there is a... Because here's the thing, the, the Mega Drive analog, once I saw that, and I'm... Once yeah, I saw that, I'm like, I, I, that just wiped everything else out, Sega-related for, you know, classic stuff. But I didn't realize they are still going to do a Genesis Mini-style unit in the future. Yeah, yeah, they are. But said, like, they originally was going to go through At Games, which everybody at this point should know is very, very questionable in quality. Um, and people complained. And then Sega said, okay, we're going to rethink this. And they are. And, and so they're going to still make it. But it's taking longer because they're actually going to work with a Japanese company directly from my memory of what happened and make something better. And people are hoping that when they say Japanese company, they mean M2, oh, wow. but we'll have to see. Well, and I have to say this on this classics topic to kind of round it out. When Nintendo says that they're not doing an N64 classic, not that I'm some big proponent of it. That, that... That's going to be are. so, especially they after uh, this type of slip up on a banana peel. I mean, Nintendo gets to milk another free holiday with their classics and milk the same ones again. And if they put that N64 classic out next year and give it time. And, here's, you know, the funny thing about the N64 classic, in my opinion, is that, you know, there really aren't a ton, like a ton, ton of great N64 games. But. Yeah, I tell you what, they had twenty or thirty really great games. I mean, if you did it right, you could literally put just about every AAA phenomenal N sixty four title 
on an N64 classic. You know what I mean? Well, but 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 we wouldn't get the games that you and I would want. Well, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go against the grain on that a little bit. You know, for the N64, you know, uh, probably a lot of the stuff I really enjoyed on that, I have to say, was a lot of the mainstream stuff for the most part. I mean, I mean, we're not going to get our Aki oh, wrestling. Oh, okay, that would be a good, yeah, that's a good point. Excluding yeah. that, but you know, all the other mainstream stuff, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be another cash in. I think, though, you know, I think part of the reason why they might have said that is because, I mean, I I have to have some part of my heart believe that their next one's going to be Game Boy. Oh, yeah. Someone else I know said the same thing. And you know what's so funny, Molly? I never, up until that person said it to me, I don't know why, but that never even crossed my mind. Yeah, I mean, because you wouldn't think about it. But, like, like think about what they could do with a... Little portable it, remake of the Game Boy that has twenty to thirty. Never crossed games. my mind, and when I heard it, I'm like, "That's a no-brainer." Especially, especially in this era when you could have like probably really cheap, have have nice displays right. that you know wouldn't need backlighting and all right. that kind of stuff. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out. The funny thing is, obviously, this recording is going to go up in a couple days. This will probably go up right before the official release of this. But the release of this unit, the PlayStation Classic, is literally like four days away. Yeah. I mean, it's close. Which is which is. It funny. is close. It's it's so weird. It's so weird for me to just not care at this point. If they blew this thing out in a few months just to have the box and the shell, if they blew this thing out for thirty bucks. Would you get? Oh yeah, yeah. For thirty, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I would still love to have one. Like, I'm. I part of me with two wants to see because I think the concern is in how hackable it is. Is just that it's probably not going to have a whole lot of internal right. memory because of how much space these games are taking up. Um, I heard. I heard rumors sixteen like, gig card, but do not quote me on that. Yeah, see, if it was sixteen, that'd be better because I think that I think the the theory was that an eight could hold everything just mm. barely um so 16 wouldn't be as bad but it is tough that it's tough because just in terms of what i want to use like the playstation tv just does everything i would want minus a couple games right. that are missing before before you do any hacking of it um but there's something really cool about how this looks and and i do you know i i don't know if you're the same way or not but I just like if I go back and play a, a game on an emulator, like I want it to look like the original system. I want it to have the same kind of controllers mm-hmm. because if I try to play, let's say, let's say, TurboGrafx sixteen games on a Super Nintendo controller, like it doesn't feel right to me. It'll never feel right, you know. So I actually like the idea of having a PlayStation Classic and then hacking it because it would be nice to have something I could have all my old games in that that looks and feels like it should and isn't just random piece of hardware random controller playing these games for the most part i agree i don't you know i have so many classics legally legally downloaded on you know 360 x1 ps3 ps4 i i the only time it feels odd, there are only two times in emulation where it felt odd to me, and now we're going to get into an illegal aspect, uh, was when years ago when I had a fully decked out modded original Xbox, mm-hmm. which for people out there may or may uh, you may know because you've been around the business a long time, would you 
not agree that with the exception of maybe high-end PCs at the time or certain specialized PC setups, the original Xbox probably was the granddaddy of one-stop shop emulation. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like if there's anything even before that, and I think you would be right because it, it was because it had, I think it's like you know because it was the first to come with a hard drive, and you had to have someone who knew what they were doing. I didn't do it; someone else in town. Right. And this is going to sound like a joke. A good friend of mine surprised me with it one holiday with my original Xbox, which I wasn't really using. So they gave me a gift of sorts of that fully modded. I mean, and that thing was heavy too because it had a replaced hard drive and whatever else they put in there. And whoever the guy was, I shouldn't laugh, was a couple towns away. I don't know who the guy was. I don't know his name, but my friend uh, knew him. And then after a few months, he he disappeared. <laughs> but I remember the night I got that and I hooked it up. This is in my old place. Molly, I'm not kidding you, and I'm not this type of person. Like, you know how you hear people say, oh, I was up all night gaming, or I didn't go to sleep. I'm not that person. I think I started playing it around 3 or 4 in the afternoon that first night, and I didn't go to bed till 5 a.m. <laughs> and for me, that's like, that's unheard of. I just, I went through so, like, while it wasn't perfect and very quirky but i figured out how to get it to work i even had amiga on there i had it was everything from nes to mega drive to mame to turbo graphics sega cd amiga it was crazy but um that was but the reason how we got on that topic was you know that was using a controller type s i believe Right, and then the right, other time yeah. it's quirky is sometimes on PC, depending on what you're using. Um, but like for the most part, I don't mind using like the PS3 controller or the X. Uh, I ha I will give kudos here. You know, one of my favorite. So here's the thing: I do like, for the most part, I like the DualShock Four, mm -hmm. and I do like the Xbox One Elite controller. I love, I love the elite yeah, control as a matter of fact i got so spoiled by the elite that i sold my black one for the white one that came out last month <laughs> but in that span of time i used the traditional xbox one controller which i never had any problem with mm -hmm. i have to tell you something molly from a weight perspective and just how it felt i couldn't believe how spoiled i got from the uh, elite hmm but I will say this, when I went back to the DualShock 4, you know, because I'm playing PS4 as well, I didn't really have any issues with uh, with that. R really quick sidebar, speaking of all these controllers, do you have any interest in the upcoming Astro Gaming Elite-style PlayStation 4 controller coming out in the spring for 200 bucks? Not for 200 bucks, no. 200 bucks to me is a joystick. Right. In a good right. joystick, like I don't know. I mean, I'm it's it's interesting, but I just yeah. I said I've I haven't really tried an elite on long term, so I don't have any mm -hmm. opinions on it. Like I've tried a few other, like I have one that's really interesting. It was a Mad Cat's one um, where you could actually mix and match the pieces, so you could swap where like the D pad and the analog stick were, for example. That's a really, really interesting idea, and I, I, I do like the idea of that. But the thing is, is most of the time, 
for me, just the standard default controller does what I mm-hmm. want it to do, and that's mm-hmm. enough. Unless I'm looking for fighting game controller, right. rhythm game controller, whatever it is right. like that. So. Well, what do you think? Uh, do you think we can uh, take our fans out of this GV GP34 vortex and put this epi- episode to a close? Yep. I think we have we have talked the classic to death, and now it, it's up to it to die <laughs> the rest of the way. All right. Well, with that, we want to thank you fans once again for tuning in, hitting that download button, and we will do our best to either come back for GVGP35 maybe right at the end of the year and see how Santa treated us, or we will do our best to open up 2019. So with that, want to thank you fans, and we will catch you soon.